Brady's friend again. Well, you're just hoping <laughs> that Trump... Except Donald Trump. Right. I'll bet Donald Trump will not. No, he Although will never Donald be... Trump for, seems to for, he forget, He'll you know. put him in his cabinet. It's what he did yeah. to all of his former enemies yeah. in 2016. you got to be Eli- transactional in politics Eli- or you can't survive. Elizabeth Vargas, Scotty Nell Hughes, Chris Hahn, thank you. That does it for us tonight. Banfield starts. Hey everybody, welcome to Banfield. I'm Brian Antonin for Ashley tonight. A bombshell announcement that could change everything that we thought we knew about the Long Island serial killer. There could be a lot more bodies out there from decades ago, and not just in Gilgo Beach. Police revealed today they found one woman's body parts in different locations. It was a big announcement today. I will have all the details and break it down for you coming up in just a couple of minutes. Also tonight, ever since we broke the David Grush UFO whistleblower story, more people have come forward with information about UFOs and even videos of things that they have seen in the sky. But how do we know what's real and what's made up? I mean, you know how technology is these days. It's very, very easy uh, to manipulate photos or videos. What do the experts actually look for? We have a recent video that's made headlines, you may have seen it, that we are actually going to debunk tonight coming up on the show. And rentahitman.com. Yep, it's a real website, and it's a parody. It's a parody, not real in terms of what they actually do there. It is not a real website to get people killed, but 120 people have actually registered on the site and inquired about getting real people killed. 120 people. The police have even been involved. And we have the jokester who created the site coming up later on the show. But we begin tonight with a stunning revelation about the Long Island serial killer or killers. The murderers uh, may have started a decade earlier than we thought in places other than Gilgo Beach. The Suffolk County DA made a major announcement today. The woman only known as Jane Doe number 7 or Fire Island Jane Doe is actually Karen Vergata, a 34-year-old Manhattan woman who disappeared around Valentine's Day 1996. Like the other victims tied to the Long Island serial killer, Vergata was a sex worker. Some of her remains uh, were found near Gilgo Beach in 2011, but some were first located on Fire Island in 1996. And that is a huge deal and a huge component of all of this. And we're going to explain why in a minute. Fire Island is 40 minutes away from Gilgo Beach. And 1996 is more than 14 years earlier than the other victims were actually found. That could mean the killer first struck years before anyone suspected anything and did not and did not limit himself uh, to the Gilgo Beach area. And that could also mean that there are other victims out there anywhere in Long Island. Again, this is not near Gilgo Beach, so this has opened up a whole new can of worms. The, the news comes as prosecutors move to shore up their case against Rex Hurman, the Massapequa architect now charged with three murders and considered a prime suspect in a fourth. They have filed documents in court to get a cheek swab in hopes of connecting Hurman to the DNA found on a discarded pizza box and a hair found on one of the bodies. Prosecutors say uh, the DNA from the pizza by itself will not be enough to prove their case alone. That is why they now want the cheek swab. Huerman's lawyers can challenge the request before August 8th or provide the swab 
by August 15th. I want to uh, bring in News Nation's Alex Capriello. He has been following this case very, very closely. Um, Alex, first of all, big development today. How were police able to identify uh, these remains? How did they bring it all together? Well, Brian, you and I both know covering these criminal cases, we're seeing this technology get really advanced uh, from the perspective of law enforcement and what they're able to gather from DNA samples. This was all about DNA genealogy, right? You mentioned the body fragments that were found in two separate locations at the beach. Well, first and foremost, what these police officers needed to do is see whether or not these bone fragments, whether it was the feet and the legs and the skull that was found later, actually belonged to the same person. After that, it's actually positively IDing it to an actual victim, right? And so once they were able to match the bone fragments together, then they were able to gather DNA from a relative of Vergata. That confirmed what they always suspected, a positive ID of Karen Vergata being that victim, that young woman sex worker that went missing back in 1996. Interesting. And, and we learned that they actually ID'd her last year. Uh, which which makes me wonder, I mean, why are we just now hearing about this if they made the ID uh, so long ago? Well, that's a good point, Brian, and I think it's for two reasons. Number one, uh, first and foremost, this is a long-time investigation, right? We knew that police had honed in on their suspect, or at least their person of interest, Rex Uriman, all the way early last year, shortly after that task force formed, right? So when they're trying to go after who they think is their man. They don't want to muck it up with any sort of premature announcements about a possible uh, victim, in which case their suspect might flee. Keep in mind, of course, Rex Uriman has not been named at all as the suspect in this Vergata case. But at the same time, they don't want any sort of person that they might be honing in on to flee. But then second, also, they, it also takes time to uh, actually notify the family of the deceased. They wanted to collect that DNA sample. A whole lot of legal processes have to happen before this public announcement is made. But now that they've officially announced that they have their suspect in these Gilgo Beach murders, they were now able to take this next step, honor the victim, honor her life of Karen Vergata. Makes sense. Uh, but again, I, I just want to drive home the point because it's confusing, but it's unique. Her remains were found at different times and in different locations. And it was, it was quite a bit of distance and also time apart. 2011 right. in Gilgo Beach area, some of the remains were found. And then 1996, uh, they found the remains in Fire Island, which really, I mean, we haven't heard of of that component with these other killings yet? No, and I spent a good amount of time in Long Island uh, when I was out covering this, when this news broke. And Gilgo Beach, and in fact, all that strip of uh, land right there along the shore really stretches out for miles. It's about a two-lane highway that goes from one end of Long Island all the way to the other end. And so we're talking about a really large area where someone could stop by and dump anything that they want, whether it's a body or anything else. So a lot of possibilities of vast remote area for this to happen. And you bring up a good point. We saw a huge cluster of these victims being found in one centralized location of Gilgo Beach. But this is not the case with Vergata's remains. We're talking about Fire Island. Uh, That's about 15, 20 miles to the east. And so this is a good point that you want to make. And it also opens up the door to potentially other 
uh, murderers or criminals out there that could be responsible for Vergata's death if it's not Rex Hewerman, as police suspect. Yeah, quite a development today. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for staying on it. I want to bring in John Kelly now. He is a criminal profiler and psychotherapist who has worked more than 100 serial murder cases. Um, John, thank you for being with us tonight. First of all, I'm very curious what you make of this new development. And do you think this is going to end up being connected uh, to Rex Hewerman? I'll tell you, you hit the uh, you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned the word killers, okay? Because if you go back to uh, you know '96, all right, you're talking about you're talking about having Shulman still running around when this woman was missing, when this woman was abducted, Robert Shulman who uh, was eventually convicted of serial murder. You have uh, John Bitroloff still around. And, of course, we have Rex Hewerman around. I cannot say that Rex is responsible for this yet. I have to see more information. I have to see more proof because I'm going to tell you why. Whoever did this job on her was not squeamish about butchering and cutting up a body. And, Brian, that's a whole other different kind of killer than just somebody that's into strangulation and body disposal. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, they I mean, found the different body parts in different locations. I mean, that's, and that's, that's alarming. That's staging, too. That's staging. In other words, let me throw people off. Let me leave this mm. here. Let me leave that there. Let me drive the cops crazy. Yeah, interesting. Um, the other thing is, you know, they was interesting point Alex made. They ID'd this woman last year, but just made the announcement publicly today. So, and, and we know that Rex Hurman has been on their radar. I mean, they, they've said that. They've been investigating him for a long time and just not been public about it. I would think they've been spending all this time trying to also connect this case to Hurman. And I think it says a lot that they haven't done that yet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you're 100% right. They were trying to see if he was connected. We're trying to eliminate him from her. And, uh, you know, it took them a while before they came out with this. So I'm not sure, you know, that uh, they can connect him on this one. But also, too, looking at, uh, you know, his age and everything, you know, he's he's in the age bracket at that at that time. Well, yeah, he was 27 years old. He was 27 in 96. Um, which is interesting. But when it comes to the feet and legs dumped on Fire Island and then the skull was dumped near near Gilgo Beach, what does that mean when a killer separates the remains like that and with such a distance in in between? What's the purpose of that? I think he's I think he's playing games. I think it's 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 more with the cops taunting the police. Hey, come on. Here, here's a body part for you. See if you can figure out who it is. You'll never catch me. You know, you're not going to catch me. I'll leave some here. I'll leave some there. Let's see if you can even identify who this girl is. And so it's like a game. That, it's like a sick game. Yeah, it's a game. It's a game. It's a mind game. It's a mind game. Serial killer mind game. And the bottom line there is, why couldn't he just dig a hole? Okay. Why did he just dig a hole out of sight, out of mind and bury the body? Or bury the body parts. Do you follow me? Yeah. Why, why are they out there like that? You have to ask yourself that. Okay, and then you have to look at Rex. Rex really tried to hide the bodies. So it's different. So, it's different. 
it, it's different is right. It's a different situation. And you have to dig in to try to find that personality. I think that uh, they can identify, uh, you know, uh, the MO. Uh, if, if, if she has, because they do have the skull, if there's blunt force trauma, yeah. it could possibly, although I'm not saying he's responsible, possibly lead them to Robert Shulman because he was really focused in on blunt force trauma back in the day. He was still active then. They didn't catch him until a few months later. She disappeared in February around Valentine's Day. You know, they didn't get him until April of 96. And mine, I really believe that, uh, you know, he he was into blunt force trauma. He was into beating uh, sex workers to death with baseball bats, weights, whatever he could get his hands on. And the bottom line was he was a crack addict. He was strung out on crack. So, I mean, this, and he blamed it all on crack, which is BS to me. But the bottom line is, you know, that's how he could get a woman to come with him from Manhattan all the way to Long Island. I don't know if this means anything, John, um, but again, Rex would have been 27 years old when, when this happened in 96 um, and had just got, we looked today, he got his architecture license around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would think like a happy time in his life. D- does that come into play, whether someone is in a good time in their life versus a bad time in their life and whether they'll kill? You know, I've never seen it happen when they've just had a major accomplishment, but I've always seen it happen when there's pretty much some kind of loss, mm. a job, a relationship, you know, a girlfriend or a wife, like Bundy lost his girlfriend. Remember, she broke up with him, and he started being attracted to, uh, you know, girls with brown hair and, and her uh, physical characteristics. Yeah, so it's usually it's usually something negative that takes place that kind of ignites them. But Brian, he's in the he's right there in that age group back in the day. As far as the FBI was concerned, they get started between 25 years old and 35 years old. Yeah, and there, he's you're right, right 27, 27 years old. He's right in the middle. Um, John, right. thank you so much for coming on with us. As always, we really, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. You've got a great audience. Thank you. We'll see you soon. I want to bring in two people who have been closely following this case. Dr. Scott Bond is a criminologist and the host of the podcast Killing Hour with Doc Bond. He's also the author of the book Why We Love Serial Killers. And Billy Jensen is the co-host of the very popular podcast series Unraveled Long Island Serial Killer. Thank you both for being with us on a Friday night. I want to start with you, uh, Dr. Bond. You heard what John said. I mean, do you agree? It, it does seem like this might not be be Horman. This may be a different situation. Well, I, I agree with most of what he is saying, but I can come up with a scenario where actually it could be Horman. And that is this. Um, as, as he said, the, the, um, the bodies were staged, the dismembered bodies, in, including Vergata, were staged. That's part of the MO. And the MO is subject to change and evolution, however. So let's Let's just say that it was Hewerman who was re- responsible for regatta. Over time, he learns that dismemberment is a lot of work and a lot of trouble. And he, the bodies were never discovered. Maybe he comes to the conclusion by the time he gets to the Gilgo Four, all I really need to do is just cover them up with uh, camouflage burlap, conceal them, and, um, and, and it'll be fine. So it's still an attempt to conceal 
And it's still an attempt to throw the police off, but it could be an evolution in his modus operandi. Billy, it is weird to think, I mean, is it really plausible and possible that there are multiple killers who didn't know about each other killing sex workers and, um, you know, throwing their bodies away in the same area? I mean, you think that's really a possibility here, Billy? Absolutely. Yeah. It's happened before. It happened in the killing fields in Texas. It happened with the I-5 killer in California. You know, they kept thinking that they just had one killer. It turns out they had multiple killers. And this is Long Island. And Long Island had, especially around that time, we're talking about the mid-90s. Yeah, you had uh, Shulman as, uh, you know, uh, that was killing um, sex workers. You had Rifkin. Uh, you also had Bitrolf. So there's a lot of killers that are on Long Island uh, operating. And it's not that much of a uh, stretch to think that a killer, you know, there were multiple killers that were using this, this stretch of Ocean Parkway to deposit the remains. Yeah, it's, it's creepy to think about. Um, Dr. Bond, if this turns out that it is a different killer and, and they're able to prove that, does that in some way help Hureman's defense? Do you think can can his defense attorneys then say, wait a minute, like, how do we know that all these other killings that you've tried to connect to Hureman are, are really connected to him? I see your point, but uh, I doubt it very much. I mean, they, they've got the uh, the cell phones triangulated, yeah. to, you know, to pinpoint him. They've got the DNA evidence, at least on the first uh, three of the, the Gilgo murders. Um, so. No, it's no. I, I mean, I think they've, they've uh, you know, they've, they've, they've got their man here. Um, I think it's just a matter of time before the Brainerd Barnes uh, murders is uh, um, uh, charged to him. And who knows what they have discovered, the law enforcement authorities, over the last couple of weeks in his storage unit and in uh, his home. We don't know what, what they found linking him to the Gilgo Four or perhaps these other bodies on the beach at, in Gilgo or bodies elsewhere that have yet to be discovered, unfortunately. Yeah, and they were so good at keeping all of this under wraps, this task force was, with the work that they've been doing over the last year. It does make you wonder what what they know. I mean, they may know a lot that they're just not making public right now. Billy, do you have any insider info? I mean, do you think they're getting closer to connecting Hewerman to, to any of the other victims? I mean, certainly with Maureen, I think that's definitely going to come. Um, but I think, you know, you bring up a very good point. You know, they were able to go into his house. They were able to, you know, figure out exactly what he has been keeping in his house, whether he had trophies or anything else like that. So we really need to figure out what, um, you know, what he was doing. And uh, I'm more interested now that we're we're getting closer to identifying all of these other victims. Uh, is he responsible for these victims and where else? Because we've got a big, long time period. We know he was killing in 2010, 2011. Did he just stop or did he just find another place to deposit the remains? Yeah, you're shaking your head, Dr. Vaughn. You, th- you think he kept going? Yeah, if you look the... Um two of the, of the Gilgo Four went missing just a couple of months before his burial ground was discovered. So the likelihood that he made a irrational uh, choice, conscious decision to just stop killing, that's not the way serial killers operate. They, they are driven by a visceral internal hunger, a compulsion that they can't control. So um, as my colleague said, it's what's probably much more likely is that he just moved his base of operations um, to another area. You know, could be Vegas, 
Texas, where I live here, could be South Carolina, where he had a home, or, or elsewhere. But I doubt very much that he just stopped in December of 2010. Yeah, I mean, look, all of it has been really, really disturbing. But this Karen Vergata situation with the legs and feet found in one location, the skull found in a different location with so much time in between. I mean, it really is just it, it's just awful. You, you have to remember these these victims at the end of the day and what they must have gone through. Uh, Dr. Scott Bond um, and Billy Jensen, thank you both so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. Still ahead tonight, four women, mostly sex workers, found half naked and dead in desolate areas of the city. It sounds an awful lot. Like the Gilgo Beach murders that we've been talking about, it was once thought to actually be tied to that case. When we come back, the investigator who caught the killer, put him behind bars, tell us how they did it there, and shares his advice for police on the Gilgo case. That's coming up next. Introducing Bluehost Cloud ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. All right, so we have told you the theory suggesting the Long Island serial killer and the eastbound strangler were the same person. But this week, authorities said those sex worker killings in New York and New Jersey are apparently unrelated. But farther south, straight down I-95, lies the killing grounds where another four women were, were murdered. And those murders, too, were once seen as potentially linked to the murders of Gilgo Beach. In late 2005 and early 2006, the bodies of Laquia Gunther... Julie Green and Awana Patton were found dumped in desolate areas around Daytona Beach, Florida. Each was partially naked and shot in the head with a 40 caliber Smith & Wesson handgun. All had also been sex workers. Police formed a task force to find what media were calling the Daytona Beach killer and followed hundreds of leads, but the case ended up going cold for eight years until March of 2016, when a road crew worker found the naked body of a sex worker named Rachel Bay on the Beeline Highway. Bay had been beaten, strangled, and sexually assaulted. She wasn't shot in the head like the others, but DNA left on her body matched DNA from the bodies found almost a decade before. DNA is an amazing thing. More than three years after that, in September 2019, police matched the victim's DNA with a cigarette tossed in a trash can by Robert Hayes, a former criminal justice major and cheerleader at Bethune-Cookman University in Daytona Beach. Hayes was charged, convicted, and sentenced to three consecutive life sentences for the first uh, three murders and is still awaiting trial for the fourth. Volusia County Sheriff Mike Chitwood was the instrumental uh, in putting Hayes behind bars. He spoke with us about how police finally tracked Hayes down and the change in Hayes' method of killing over the years. 
He was a criminal justice major at Bethune-Cookman University, and I think he really studied what he did. He followed what was going on in the media. Uh, so the first three victims, he used a very unique firearm. It was a Smith & Wesson, and the first three victims were connected with DNA or ballistics. We actually were questioned him shortly after we were able to trace where those guns were sold. Uh, and he claimed he gave it to his mother for a gift. And no, nobody followed up on it. This was long before I was the chief. And then the case went dormant. Do we know why he took a 13-year break, basically? That, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't know if he actually took a break. I think what he did was he changed his modus operandi. He went from using the significant firearm and not using protection to, when you look at the murder where he gets caught, there's no DNA, there's no firearm, but the DNA that they do get is from her fighting for her life where she probably scratched his face or scratched uh. him. That's where that DNA came from. So he, he completely went from unprotected sex and leaving a specimen and a firearm to strangulation uh, and, and no, you know, making sure he wore protection when he, when he involved himself. Did we ever figure out why Hayes was targeting sex workers? Because I find it interesting that's not totally uncommon. Um, you know, in Long Island, it's all sex workers with, with Hayes, Daytona Beach sex workers. D- did he ever say, do we know why specifically it was them that he was going after? He never spoke. He never spoke at all to investigators. The only emotion that he showed when he was in on trial down in Palm Beach County, Florida, they showed a picture of his daughter during the trial, and he had to be restrained. He became so physically angry that his daughter was being brought into that. Other than that, he showed zero remorse, didn't speak to any families, didn't make any type of a statement whatsoever. Obviously, we're interested based on what happened in um, in, in Long Island with the Gilgo Beach murders. You know, they've they found the victims there wrapped in, in burlap. There are still seven others uh, that they haven't officially connected to the suspect there, Rex Hurman. What do you think, based on what you know about these kinds of cases? I mean, do you think they're going to end up making that connection? I think sooner or later they will. Clearly, he's not going to cooperate with them. You would hope that the overwhelming evidence is so overwhelming that there'll be a point in time where he says, okay, I need to come clean with you and give closure to these families. But again, you're dealing with somebody who has no empathy whatsoever. And from everything I've read, he was hiding in plain sight. You know, there were clues there that were missed that unfortunately every investigation, even with the Daytona Beach serial killer, they had this guy in, in, in a room questioning him about that unique firearm that he purchased. And the reason they let him go and didn't follow up on it was the profiler said we were looking for a white male, mm. not a black male. And that excluded that. And lo and behold, here you get 13 years later, when you arrest the guy, the guy turned out to be a black male who was a college student, not that far from where all these women disappeared and were found. Interesting. I guess it shows that even if you have a profile uh, when you're working these cases, I guess you do need to maintain an open mind. You can't just narrow the possibilities down to just the, the kind of person that you think it is. Exactly. I think people get wrapped up, even cops get wrapped up into the profiler show and they study all these things and they're going to give you all these characteristics. Really, if you look at the serial killers throughout history who have been profiled, there's about 50% of the things that are right in there. And the purpose of the profile is to help you when you're questioning the suspect, understand their background, understand their religious belief, understand their family upbringing, you know, and things like that. It's not to point out and say, hey, we're specifically looking for this kind of person. 
Very interesting. Our thanks uh, to Sheriff Mike Chitwood for that. It was just a, a matter of time uh, for them, and then they were finally able to uh, to catch that guy. It took a lot of time, but also a lot of hard uh, police work. Okay, coming up. Videos of purported, uh, purported UFO sightings have started pouring in after the congressional hearing, but how do you know if what you're looking at is actually real or fake? Look behind you. Insane. Whoa, did you see that just shoot across? Two experts, they're going to check this video for us. This video's been all over the place, but is it real or is it a fake? We're going to find out coming up next. So the floodgates are officially open since the U.S. held its first public hearings on UFO sightings in more than 50 years and seemingly showed that the government is over the taboo. Americans seem to be, too. We're starting to see an uptick in public reports with video uh, like this from a man on vacation in Fort Lauderdale. You're about to see that video. He claims to have spotted uh, a UFO flying through a thunderstorm at 2000 miles an hour. That's what he says anyway. Uh, Take a look for yourself. Okay, so now watch it again in slow motion because it is hard to see. You see that like sort of light going across the screen right there. That video was shared on Facebook by 29-year-old Carmen Rich. He believes what he saw was either an alien spacecraft or technology the government is not showing the public. But could it have been not that? Could it just be something else? A glare on the camera lens, special effects, Photoshop, something else going on. Uh, I want to bring in um, Tim Gallaudet. He is a retired oceanographer and U.S. Navy Rear Admiral who inadvertently received a classified email with the now famous Go Fast UAP video. And we also want to welcome Ben Hansen. He is a former federal agent and now the host of UFO Witness on Discovery+. Plus. All right, I'll start with you, Ben. You review a lot of these videos. You saw that one. What do you make, real or fake? Well, I, I don't know that I use the word fake, even though I used to host a show called Fact or Fake. Yeah. I got a lot of experience um, looking at things like this. And I would say if I had to put money on it, I would say this is an artifact happening in camera. In fact, if you look at that slowed down, that car that passes right at the same time, a uh, very bright headlight. And there's some kind of accents that are horizontally along the front fender. And it has curvature, as does the object going the opposite way, but symmetrical. So... This might be a lens flipping inside the glass. A lot of our smartphones even have three cameras now. So there's a lot of glass in there that can cause with these things. So uh, who knows? Admiral Gallaudet, what do you think? What, what do you make of this video? I have to agree with Ben, Brian. I think that uh, really without any other information, like calibration of the uh, optical system in the camera, for example, and any corroborating other sensor data, you, you really can't tell. And, and that's why I, I believe that more scientific study of, of these phenomena needs to happen with calibrated instruments and uh, like the Galileo Project at Harvard University, which is doing. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, Admiral. You know, right now it doesn't seem like there's really a place for people to send these videos. It, it almost seems like there should be some kind of like government website or something where you could submit the videos and then they could review them and see if it's actually something significant. Because even if it's not like aliens, you know, wouldn't the government sort of want to know if like another 
uh, country is testing something, you know, out there? Well, exactly. In fact, one of the witnesses, Lieutenant, former Lieutenant Ryan Graves, uh, he has founded Americans for Safe Aerospace. Yeah. And at that hearing, he, he testified to say that he, he'd like to get the FAA to support commercial pilots to report such instances. And I fully support that. I want to his board, advisory board, and and that's what has to happen. Is more disclosure, more people coming out, and a, and a database to be established with that. Like, like for example, there there are some that exist at the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, and I think the government needs to get behind this and do this in an authoritative, scientific way. But Ben, I mean, is there a chance that that they don't want to do that for other reasons? Like, uh, why wouldn't the government have already done that? Well, I, I think a lot of it comes down to money and their mandates. Of course, the DOD and Arrow, the mandate is to look for uh, incursions on airspace and infrastructure vulnerabilities. It's not to really further scientific knowledge, per se. And and what civilians are reporting um, really has to go to civilian agencies. Like you said, there there are some uh, places you can go in apps. And, and earlier in the week, I was talking about Enigma has created an app. But the government themselves are not really going out directly, like some assume, into the and taking civilian reports. It's kind of the last uh, priority, I would say, um, when it comes to funding. So hopefully we get to that point. Yeah, it certainly seems like that. Admiral, I'm curious. I'm told you have actually had an experience with seeing something and and catching video of something. Uh, Tell us about that. Well, exactly. Right. And this is really why I've been supporting Ryan Graves for his Americans for Safe Aerospace in 2015, uh, when I was a one-star admiral, I was in charge of a support command of meteorologists and oceanographers that provided weather forecasts for the uh, aircraft carrier strike groups. And the now famous GoFast video from a Navy F-18 off the Theodore Roosevelt, USS Theodore Roosevelt, uh, I saw that uh, and received that video uh, on, on the Navy's secret network. Uh, because I was in charge of meteorologists supporting these uh, aviation operations, I received an email from a two-star admiral in charge of the exercise. And he had actually sent it to a number of, of one- and two-star admirals like me in charge of uh, aircraft carrier strike groups and other support commands. And the title of the email was Urgent Safety of Flight Issue. And in the text, he asked if anybody knew what these objects were, and that, and it was the GoFast video that was attached, and he said, report to me immediately if you do, because we might have to cancel the exercise because of safety concerns. And, of course, once I saw that, I knew immediately what, what was occurring. This is nothing we could have engineered. And, uh, and then, interestingly, the next day, that email was wiped from my computer and really? eventually confirming what was, yes, reported at the So it just hearing. disappeared out of your inbox even? Yes, exactly. And the inboxes of all the other addees, there were many more, and uh, including my deputy, who was a senior civilian. And so, of course, we, we believed it was inside some compartmented program, and that video was inadvertently released. And now that's all come out at the hearing. Interesting. I can't. What were you thinking when you first opened that email? Like, were you thinking, I, I don't think this is meant for me? Or were you just surprised by the video? Well, I thought two things, uh, Brian. First of all, a previous job of mine was the superintendent of the U.S. Naval Observatory, and that is the command in the Navy that's responsible for cataloging star positions and their brightnesses used for satellite navigation. But I had a team of astrophysicists and astronomers, and I learned from them how large the universe is. 
And you know, we're in, we're in a galaxy of 100 to 100, 400 billion stars among an observable universe of over 100 billion galaxies. And it's just very arrogant of us to think we're the only species that's right. created a means to travel between celestial bodies. So when I saw that, I, I pretty much it was confirmation to me that there was some kind of extraterrestrial activity occurring. And again, that's all coming out right now. Yeah, it's interesting what we've learned over the last couple of weeks. Uh, ben Hansen and Admiral uh, Tim Gallaudet, thank you both so much for coming on tonight. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here. Thanks. Oh, okay, we're going to take a very quick break, but coming up, I'm going to shock you uh, with just how many people are apparently willing to hire a hitman, actually pay someone to commit murder. It happens more often than you might think. The owner of a satirical hitman website that a lot of people actually think is real is going to join us next. A woman from Georgia, one-time beauty pageant contestant and mother of three, is in jail tonight, accused of hiring a hitman to kill her husband. Yes, an actual hitman. Turns out that is not just the stuff of books and movies. Police say uh, Lindsay Shiver made a deal with two men in the Bahamas to kill her estranged husband. Their alleged plot was discovered before anybody got hurt. Shiver and both men were arrested in the Bahamas for conspiring to commit murder, but it shows the idea of hiring a hitman is actually a thing that really exists. It's not just dramatic fiction and the stuff you see in the movies. And nobody knows that more than my guest now, Bob Eines, uh, who knows full well that a lot of people are serious about contacting a hitman because he runs a website called, wait for it, rentahitman.com. All right, Bob, so... You made this fake website as like a joke, and then you started to receive real inquiries. Is that how this went down? It was actually uh, registered for IT purposes, specializing in penetration testing and risk analysis, with HID being the key word. Uh, over the years, it's transformed into what it is today, which is a, uh, a parody website, basically a look at what a corporate hitman-type website would look like complete with its own HIPAA privacy disclaimer, service request form, and Easter eggs all over the page that would tell the common thinker that, uh, <laughs> you know, hey, this is a joke. Yeah. So, like, people actually reach out to you? Like, what do you, what do, you do when, when someone contacts you and is, like, actually thinks that, like, they're going to get help killing someone? So, uh, you know... We have a service request form where people can fill out in their own words as to what they want. Um, some people are just kind of joking around with the website. They'll put in a fictitious name and, you know, leave it at that. The ones that are more concerning are the ones that uh, contain target information, address, name, uh, social media accounts. Those are the ones that you kind of look at uh, a lot more because somebody's obviously taking the time to put all that information in the form in the first place. So do you call the police ever? Um, so it depends. Um, quite frankly, when a request is received, I have to wait, you know, typically about 24 hours before responding. And I'll ask two simple questions. Is this a uh, do you require our services? And would you like a free consultation uh, from a field operative? <laughs> If they answer no, uh, then obviously that gets filed one way. But however, if they say yes and want their free consultation, then I'm all about customer service at that point. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So tell me about a couple of the recent cases. There was a, a person named Jasmine. What, what was that all about? 
So Jasmine um, reached out to the website and she basically provided information uh, indicating that she wanted to have her three-year-old son murdered. Uh, And not only that, but she also included a photo, uh, the address of where the child would be located and uh, indicated basically a date when she wanted to have this done. So I knew that I had to act on this. This was no ordinary submission. Yeah, thank goodness you did. I mean, you you probably saved that kid's life. And what about, we only have about a minute left, but Josiah, what was the situation there? Josiah was a uh, Air National Guardsman in Tennessee that was looking for a a side gig to help raise his family. Um, He corresponded with the site for uh, about a month before it was handed over to federal authorities who uh, ended up talking to him. And you know the rest of the story. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I can't believe that people actually, I mean, that that woman would want to kill her kid. And I mean, it's awful to, but then I also just can't believe that they're so dumb that they would believe that this is like a real website. Yeah, it, it's it's troubling. Um, what's even more troubling is, you know, we've had to cease our operations um, taking service submissions because our account with our web form provider, JotForm, has suspended our account. And in turn, they're holding our user data hostage and impeding my mission on uh, the prevention of violence and saving innocent lives. And yeah. I honestly believe that their actions have also driven some users to potentially explore risky alternatives like the dark web, which would ultimately endanger additional lives. Yeah, so. that is scary. And you were, in a sense, doing a, a public service. Well, we'll stay on it, Bob. Um, thank you for coming on the show tonight. We appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Okay, coming up next, without a doubt, the best outcome to a home invasion you will hear in a long time. This 87-year-old woman found an armed intruder in her house, and how she handled it earns her our Badass Grandma of All Time Award. We're going to explain it all coming up next. A retired school teacher in Maine turned the tables on a violent home invader a few days ago and took him down by making him some snacks. Marjorie Perkins, 87 years old, woke up at 2 a.m. to find an armed intruder in her house actually threatening to hurt her. Well, Marjorie says uh, she held him off with a chair but still got punched a few times when she went into grandma mode and offered to actually make him something to eat. How sweet is that? While the attacker was distracted by peanut butter and crackers and tangerines, Margie called police, of course, who caught the guy, ended up being a juvenile, uh, and they arrested him for burglary and assault. So thankfully, uh, she wasn't badly hurt. You see her in the interview right there, a very, very cute woman. And now we know that nobody leaves Marjorie Perkins' house hungry, uh, even criminals. I love that story, and I'm so glad they caught the guy, too. Who messes with older women like that and... and beats him up. It's just awful. What a sweet lady. We love you, Marjorie. Okay. One more thing before we go tonight. So many of you have been asking me where Ashley has been. You're like, hey, we're okay with you filling in, but we want to know where Ashley's been for the last couple of weeks. She's been on vacation. She's doing fine. The lady deserves a break once in a while. Uh, And she uh, made a video. She's going to be back Monday, but she sent us this video tonight. I want you to check it out. Hey, Brian Anton and everybody watching. Uh, I have been away for a little bit, a um, little vacation in uh, Canada, and I see there's a U.S. flag there. I get it. But look over there on the top of that boathouse. 
that's a Canuck flag because I'm Canadian and I grew up in a, a small area uh, in northwestern Ontario above Minnesota called Lake of the Woods. And my family's here and I come here every year to reestablish the roots and, and have my children see their cousins. And so that's where I've been. And I'm really looking forward to coming back because I miss you all. Um, but I really love this. So this is going to be a regular. So if you're a summer viewer of, of the show Banfield, there's going to be some Enton in your future. And Brian Enton, you're just freaking magic. You really are. I love you to pieces. Thank you for holding the fort. I'll see you guys on Monday. Aw, she's just the best. I love you too, Ash. She, uh, she gave me a whole tutorial of how to anchor before I filled in on her show the first time. Because, you know, I'm a field guy. The tie and everything, this is all new to me. But anyway, Ash, you'll be back Monday. I'll be back in the field. Things will go back to normal. Thanks for putting up with me for a couple weeks. Uh, have a great weekend. Cuomo's coming up next. <laughs> 